All right, so let me begin the message with this story. So the only time in my life I can remember uh, where I felt crippling fear. Uh, it was so overwhelming, it was so intense, I can say with so much sincerity, I literally thought uh, I was gonna die. I, um, when I was a youth pastor, we, we, after I graduated from Moody Bible Institute, married Nikki, as you know, uh, we moved to Southern Indiana. I was a youth pastor there for a while, and one of the activities in the area was spelunking, okay? Now, um, this is what I thought spelunking was gonna be like, okay? Look at that, you know, just like beautiful, you know, crystals coming, an angel made, but just like this glorious picture. Here's what uh, spelunking was really like. Okay, that's what, it was horrible. Okay, uh, there was one point where the, the area I was squirming through was so tight that if memory serves me well, my lamp kicked off while I was in the middle of this turn squirm. I was so terrified, everything came to me of darkness. I'd never felt uh, so like if I just stopped, all my organs could stop now and I would die. I've never felt this utterly without light. And I remember, I, just, I think I, was, I just started praying and I, you know, I kept saying, uh, just keep squirming, just keep squirming like Dory, you know, Dory. And I, I, I finally got out there and I was able to turn on the light. And let me just say, if light were kissable, I would be making out with that light. It, it, was, it was so, so glorious. What was so beautiful in that moment is when I saw the light, I realized no matter how dark, light wins every time. No matter how dark, light wins every time. And so as we come into our second week in this Christmas series, this is the verse that we pick it up again with, the light shines in the darkness. It does shine in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, let's pick it up in verse one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. As we did last week, let me read from another Christmas narrative connected to ours today. This is in Luke chapter 1. I'll give you a second here to go to Luke chapter 1. It'll also be on the screen, beginning in verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's wombs. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people 
prepared. Let me pray. Ah, Jesus, as we just slow down, as we you know, sit on our couches or, or wherever we are looking at our TVs, and uh, we really want to meet with you. Uh, we don't just want to have knowledge increase. We want our worship of you to increase. We want to enjoy God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, as we look at the darkness, as we ask you the light, your healing light, to be a revealing light, I ask that we wouldn't run. I pray we would just feel your loving, almost like boundaries over us to just say, I want you to listen what I have to say to you today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would use my gifts, not my gifts, your gifts that you gave me to build up the body. I pray the Holy Spirit would use now the spiritual gifts given to me. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would now, by the power and authority of Jesus Christ, stretch out your hand to heal, grant me boldness, and may signs and wonders be performed in your name as the church prayed. I pray we would experience power this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so as we continue to marvel at the Christmas presents, you know, God himself coming in human form, a light shining in the darkness, the question I had as I began to study was, um, you know, what kind of darkness was Jesus shining into? Uh, and, and yeah, we, you know, we can all right away, well, we, the obvious answer is, well, spiritual darkness, you know, the hearts, that's what, that's what the text says, that make ready of people prepared. Their hearts would turn, and, and that's actually the right answer. Ephesians 4 says they were darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. There's a, there's a darkness that comes in due to the hardness of heart. But what I want to show you in this passage is that what you see in verse 16 is that he will turn many of the children of Israel that there, the light that Jesus first came to shine into much shared the same kind of religious darkness that you can see in Christians today. And so when I was uh, preparing and just thinking ahead of this study, I came across a devotional by George MacDonald. He was the guy who uh, discipled C.S. Lewis, where he describes biblical spiritual darkness. And when I read it, I thought that's exactly what I need to teach on. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at John's role at the Christmas story of the light that Jesus is coming to shine in on uh, and how he called them to repentance. He called them to turn from trusting in themselves in this empty religion and in the darkness there and to, to trust and be ready for Christ. Now, let me say this. This is the kind of darkness we don't always recognize as in us. So here's what I'm asking and I prayed for you today is that you would not run that in fact right now you would say, Holy Spirit, you would, you would grab that verse from the Psalms that says, search me and know my heart. See if there's any grievous way in me and that that would just now come into your heart. That you would ask the Lord, show me what you wanna show me. Because here's what Jesus warns. And this is in Luke chapter uh, 11. He says this, therefore be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So all I'm asking for us, sure, as we look at this light coming into the darkness, as we ask the questions, what is this darkness? Um, 
that you would just say, Father, do you see this in me? I'm going to list five of them, and, and you just say, do you see this in me and where? I think many of us, now nah, you know what, that's too far. Some of us uh, won't get healing in our inward, you know, in our lives. I mean, God's always going to be changing you, but, but you can set the sail, so to say. But many of us won't get healing. We won't get free. We won't see change in our marriages or in our relationship with God and one another um, because there are secrets we just don't want to expose. There are, there are truths about our past or thought life current that if exposed, there would be so much shame. People wouldn't love us. There's certain activities we're not really wanting light to come in. And I'm going to show you this is true. This is true of the human heart. In John 3, 19, Jesus says this, and this is the judgment. The light is coming to the world. That's Jesus. And people love the darkness rather than Jesus because their works were evil. Now watch this. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. So shame is healed when our deeds are exposed and the light comes in to say, I love you. I died here. I want you to be free right there. This is not who you are. That's a lie. Your worth is in me. It's in how I see you. Your value was settled at the cross. Come to the light. So here's the invitation for you before we even get into the passage. Come into the light. Walk in the light. As he is in the light, John says, and you will have fellowship with God and one another. His healing presence is always a revealing presence. So let's start. Uh, five descriptions of biblical darkness. Make sure you have your coffee. You don't want to miss any of these. Okay, so I can, I'll wait. Okay, you got it. Thanks, good. Um, here's the first one. First, here's a descriptor. Uh, of attitudinal heart of darkness that we see in scripture. Number one, a heart of darkness says this, I am my own. I am my own king and my own subject. This was the kind of darkness Jesus came to shine his light in. So to what degree do you see that in you? That'd be a good question. I am my own. Right? You know, I, I am self-sufficient. I can do this without help. I don't need to reach out. Uh, I love being my own king. I want my day to go the way I want it to go. I get to decide what's right and wrong. I can pick whatever show I want and I can do and say what I want. I'm my own king. I'm putting myself first. I'm qualified to be in control. You know, how many, I don't know if you do uh, the catechisms with your kids, or maybe you grew up in the church, maybe Presbyterian, but you know one of the first, you know what the first question is? First question is, what is our only hope in life and death? That's the question. You know what the answer is? That we are not our own, but we, but we belong, body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Can, can I ask you, where do you find yourself wanting to acquire, like, position, be king, be in control, um, you know, and, and here's how we know this is darkness. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 14. He says this, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. You're the Lord's. That's, that's what the light comes in to do. 
For to this end, Christ died. Christmas came in and lived again that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Here, uh, second one, description of darkness. I am the center from which go out my thoughts. I am the object and end of my thoughts. Back upon me as the alpha and omega of life, my thoughts return. So what was the darkness Jesus came to bring light in? Well, in his book, Sickness Unto Death, such a good title, Soren Kierkegaard says, it's the normal state of the human heart to try to build its identity around something besides God. That, that, that's the, that is the human heart. We're always trying to gain a sense of well-being outside around something else other than God. Spiritual pride, he says, is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives, achieve our own sense of self-worth, and find a purpose big enough to give us meaning in life without God. And so I am the object and end of my thoughts. How much do you think about you? How much do you think about what you hate about you? That, that you wish was different about you? What you need to protect or to guard, or you say, oh, I don't talk about that. that that's too painful to me. Uh, I can't tell you personally in my own life how often I, I'm catching my emotions turning in on me. I don't know if this is just me, but I have this self-introspection of like where I'm just continuously kind of walking beside myself and going, mm, that was bad, assessing, assessing, critiquing, critiquing. And I, it's like I'm having this like conversation with me who doesn't like me. Anyone? No. Uh, even in my prayer life, I've noticed this. I can tell when Jesus is like, hey, do you want me to leave you guys together? You want me to leave you to you? You know? Or do you want to, or do you want to hear how I love you? James, do you want to hear... Uh, how I'm in your center, how I think of you. I mean, you can stay in your own self-made prison, but that's up to you. Let me say a few things about this. According to the Bible, uh, the old man in us has died. That's what scripture says in Romans 6, and is dying. In fact, we just studied together in 2 Corinthians 5 that we, you're a new creation in Christ. We just, it's so exciting. What that means is you have now Jesus as the new center in, in you and he's renewing you. Galatians 2.20 says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in the center. So to live with the old self as the center is darkness. Centering upon ourselves is direct contrast, it is in direct contrast to our new center. Uh, Paul even says in 2 Corinthians 5.15, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Right? Doesn't that sound nice? That sounds more like our new design. Sen you know, uh, the, the true creative self, the humble self, the self that Christ loves, he loves that self. And it's a part of the old, it's still who you are, but he's making it new. It, it's the new self that wants to enjoy him in all things. It's the new self that wants to worship in this life. It's the new self that loves what God loves, which is you. I think a lot of the depression today stems from a center stuck on self. And it doesn't flow from the new kingdom where we're in, where the place Jesus is, I and them and you and me. Remember, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, there's another that lives in you. And, and so come bring your light, Jesus. Come bring your light into the center. 
let me just say as, as we go through these, aren't you glad the darkness has not overcome the light? Like light wins every time. So like praise God for Christmas. Like thank you, Lord, that your healing presence is a revealing presence. Third descriptor of our, of our darkness, <clears throat> my own glory and Oh, wait, let me, let me try that again. My own glory is and ought to be my chief care. My ambition to gather regards of men to the one center myself, right? You can kind of see a theme. This one runs deep. This one takes all kinds of shape. My own glory. So, so, so let me put it more, maybe in a more simple way. Uh, if that... If, if what dominates your life is look good, feel good, and stay in control, if those three are dominating your life, um, you just got to say, come Holy Spirit, shine in that. If, if you find in your soul uh, you're motivated with look good, feel good, and be in control, uh, just say, come Holy Spirit, come bring that light in. One of the saddest passages you'll read in John's gospel uh, is, is, and it's sad because it's so often the heart attitude in the darkness I find in my own heart, but I see in the church quite often, um, is in John chapter 12, and Jesus had just talked about how the Son of Man will be lifted up and, and he will be glorified by going to the cross and dying. And then he says this, so Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer, Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. Spelunking. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. He's pleading to those religious people, to his own people. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, for again Isaiah said he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But, for fear of the Pharisees, the highest rank religious people. You know, the, the, the boss above you, the pastor, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. My own glory is and ought to be my chief care, my ambition. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. They loved the gratifying pleasure of well done. You're a somebody. You're a somebody. Hold on to your status. Don't lose your job. Don't, you, know, you know how far it took you to get that status in the synagogue? They loved the pleasure of someone saying, yes, you are the next big thing. 
more than receiving and becoming or having the glory that comes from God. Going, no, he's the great thing I'm after. Now, the reason I'm not going to ask you, is this you, is because it is. Like, this is all of us. Right? It's the darkness Jesus is healing from one degree of glory at a time. What's interesting, when you look at Paul's life, at the end of his life, when he was serving Jesus the most, when he was so intimate with the Father, Son, and Spirit, when he was just planting churches and in prison writing the Bible, he would write things in his last letter like, I am the chief of sinners. He knew who he was, but he knew who his righteousness was. So all you're doing right now is you're asking the Lord, would you come with your light and heal where there's darkness? Come and change. I need to repent. God, do you see this in me? It's really, really important that we talk about this because darkness loves to hide. Right now, if you have excuses, right now, if you're like, ah, I should probably go to the bathroom even though I only have to half pee, that's just your darkness. Okay, wait till you have to full pee before you leave. Um, You can have all this and not be aware of it. That's why the church is so encouraging to have. So Jesus, now come shine. You just say this, Jesus, come shine where I don't even see pride. Say, Jesus, come with your tender love in those places. I don't even know. Here's the fourth one. This one was most cutting to to yours truly. My pleasure is my pleasure. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 4 says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. (laughs) Feels like we're there. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, that sounds like my Instagram feed. (laughs) But this is serious. In Luke 21, Jesus, he's talking to his inner guys, like just his 12. And... um, and he's, he, think about this. He's about to pass on the kingdom to. And he's watched their lives for these last three years. And here's what he sees in them and what he tells them when it comes to uh, my pleasure is my pleasure. He says, watch yourselves lest your hearts, what you love, your center, be uh, weighed down. The King James says overcharged with dissipation. So he saw dissipation in them, drunkenness. He saw that they really enjoyed their wine and the cares of this life. They thought about their, their stuff, their glory, their status, what Jesus could get them. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. He goes on to call them into a greater, deeper life of prayer. But you gotta hear this. He looked at his best friends who, who he would give his whole ministry over to. And, um, And he said, Peter, like you're a rock, but if you don't pray, dissipation will take you down and you will waste your life 
on the pursuit of pleasure. So, without getting into another sermon on pleasure, uh, pleasure is something God made us for. There's going to be a, a physical, bodily new heavens and new earth, but He made it for God to be in God, to be with God, to be done with love for God. So He's made pleasure. He's made. He's a good Father, but He's given everything to us to be done in love, to enjoy His gifts. Um, we're, we're creaturely. We're made to. We're made to enjoy. Like, you know. Um, my wife and I were reflecting on some of the gifts we, we uh, are given to our children. And even last night, I just said, I wonder if the father feels like this when he gives us good gifts. Because this, we cannot wait. It's just pure enjoyment in their enjoyment of, of gifts. And, and, and that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about in this darkness is oftentimes we, we don't love with what we've been given or allow those moments of joy to boil into praise. This is the kind of darkness, my pleasure is my pleasures, that it's just takers. We wanna take pleasure in to fill our desires, to pull the pleasure in to serve us, rather than to love God and love others. Proverbs 21, 17 says, whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man, and he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. So I just want to pause here and I want to ask this question. And so um, I think this is for a few people. So this is really important. When, ask, ask yourself this question. When I'm bitter, so think about what you get bitter about. So when I am bitter, what am I most bitter about? Think about it. What do, you, what do I feel most unhappy about? What comes to mind? Okay, a lack of resources or intimacy or, um, you know, I want more, more from my spouse on, you know, whatever it is or not whatever, whatever came to your mind, I want to ask you as you think about it, how much of what came to your mind is self-fulfillment based? So what pleasure am I saying is mine? or maybe is missing, and I want it to be mine. And all I want you to do, I want you to think about that, and I think that is something you need to just talk to Jesus about this week. And I want you to say to him, I know you, you came not to please yourself, and so I want you to look at this with me, and can you help me with this? This week I had to ask God, what's underneath my disappointments? And then ask this question, Would that, would that be your disappointment if you were with me? Like if you were me, would you have the same disappointment I'm experiencing if you were in my situation? Is this pleasure my pleasure or do I need to surrender it? Or what of it do I need to surrender? And maybe this is with another person, you just gotta talk it out loud with each other. Uh, number, number five, my kingdom is as many as I can bring to acknowledge my greatness over them. You know, do, do you see this darkness in you? My judgment 
is the faultless rule of things, okay? One of the craziest realities that scares me today is how evident this is on social media. Right, my kingdom is as many as I can bring to acknowledge my greatness. Now more than ever, we have this rise of, you know, uh, instantaneous experts. Isn't everyone an expert right now? All of a sudden, there's a lot of people promoting things they haven't even researched. Most of it is untested, what they're not qualified to speak into. And, and not only that, but we love, we look at how many reads, how many likes, you know, we want my greatness over this. The reason the Pharisees wouldn't come to John's baptism as he witnessed to the light is that being right was more important. When being right is more important to you than what God is doing, you're going to miss it. It's why so many relationships break down. I'm right. And this determination to be right, the right to have, you know, one commentator says this, if people tell you the world or the human race is basically good, remind them what it did to Jesus. He came without any sin. He came healing and teaching the way to God. He was a light shining in the darkness, but for that very reason, the world hated him. So I want us to think now about Jesus, the light who's right there with you right now. He came into this darkness. He came into this darkness to renew this darkness, to rescue, to regenerate, to give you new life where this darkness no longer will reign. Our light is wonderful. Our light is a forgiving person. His name is Jesus. You have to rem we have to remember, our salvation is not merely a matter of a saving formula or, you know, moral correctness, or it's, it's a saving person. You need his life, his obedience, his love over you. Here's what you need to know about our light. When we're in darkness, his strength of resolve rises all the higher. He sees darkness, guess who's rising higher than that? Our light, Jesus. He really does. We collaborate with him. It's getting brighter in you. John says this, uh, and this will be on the screen, if, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation, the wrath-removing substitute for our sins and not, on, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So Christmas tells us we need a savior and that he cannot and he did not bear to leave us alone to fend for ourselves in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. He's not gonna let it overcome you because it won't, period. Bible, and he does this on our behalf because of who he is, right? Hallelujah for the light. So if you are in Jesus, you have a friend 
who in your sin, in, in your darkness, in your sorrow will never, listen, listen, he will never lob some pep talk from heaven, but has already come and is coming even more in there to overcome what he did on the cross. He will not and cannot bear to hold himself at a distance. Nothing will hold the light back. His heart is too bound up with yours. One, one I read this week asked the question, he says this, ask this question, who is Jesus in those moments of spiritual blankness? Not who is he once you conquer that sin, but who is he in the midst of it? He loves you. Thank you, Lord, that your healing presence is a revealing presence. So he's really here today um, to replace and come into that darkness. So as you've been listening, just tell him what it is. And then just say, come into that darkness. Okay, don't, don't stay in the feeling of shame or darkness. When you come to him, come to him because you're new. You've been made new. You already are new. Oftentimes our enemy knows if we are too busy hating the soul that God loves and is bringing his light in, our minds will be more riveted on ourselves than on Christ, who is our wholeness and healing. Some of you right now, you, you're saying, James, look, I can feel Jesus with me and I'm thankful for that, but I can't change this. Mm -mm, that's not true. Just start there. Say, oh God, I can't change this, but I want it changed and you can. So if you lead, come and bring your love here right now. So come, your light in here and I will collaborate. I confess this sin now. If, if it's so close and it's not quite there, just confess it. If you need to leave the room later, confess it. Come with your power and, and bring light. Uh, one of the things I felt like God wanted to do this morning was heal memories. And so what I mean by that is some of the darkness I mentioned of you know being your own glorious king and, and your pleasure is your pleasure, uh, that was really massively a part of your past. And, and what, what demons will do because they were there they will bring it up. What your conscience will do is it will say, you can't be loved. You, you, the way you treated someone particularly in your family and how you uh, yelled at them and, and, uh, and he forgives you. So he wants to come now and heal that. So you ask him to come and bring his light into that bad memory and just heal, because he was there, he's omniscient. He was actually, he exists outside of time, which is a crazy thought that he's already in your past and future, but he can heal that. You just say, come shine. Just tell him that. Say, come now and shine on this regret. What Jesus is always doing, because he's actually real, uh, is he's healing you, like he's forming you. He's always present, and what we need this Christmas is his real presence. So he's, he is really real right now in this present moment. 
That's, that's, that's what is so exciting about being a Christian because you can actually repent to a person in this moment and actually receive his light and power in this coming right now. And so when we're asking for healing, when we're asking for forgiveness, listen, we are not asking for something we deserve. We're, we're asking for a favor we will never pay back. And guess what? We have a God who loves to give those favors. But ask him, say, come into that darkness. Um, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share this story. So on, it doesn't matter when, Tuesday or Wednesday, I was out with my kids. We were playing Foursquare. Um, I have four kids so I can play Foursquare, you know. Uh, anytime I want. Uh, so we were playing Foursquare and... Gideon, who, you know, has ADHD, is the most loving guy, full of life, uh, was getting so angry at one point that he burst in what I've never seen before, uh, was just like painful rage. And he was just not using cursing language, but cursing with words. I hate just yelling at the top of his lungs in the middle of this park at his siblings. And uh, I'm like, I can't calm him down. And so I'm asking Jesus what to do. I'm trying to talk to him. I'm thinking about breathing. I'm praying. Uh, I'm like, guys, we're packing it up. So we, they start heading to the house. We live really close to this school park. And I knew what would calm him down right away. I gave him a quick, hey, if you keep going like this, you're going to lose the iPad on the, on the weekend. He immediately turned and he saw it and he broke and he hated what he was doing. And he started weeping because he didn't want to lose iPads. So it switched gears here. And then I had no idea what to do, but I knew I loved him and the father loved him. And so I just said, okay, Naraya, take everyone down. I'm gonna go, we're gonna keep walking. And I put my arm around him and I just, I just said, I just affirmed how much, how much good that the Father has done in, in him. And we started talking and he just started explaining to me what was going on at school with another person. And we began to just pray and I thanked him for sharing that and we prayed for this, you know, this other bully and, and he just, he got to just get it all out. And if I wouldn't have gone on that walk with him around the block and asked him more questions and, and listened to him and slowed down, he wouldn't have got that out. Um, and, and he was feeling loved. He was feeling like there was healing happening. And then he started telling me every time he starts praying, he, he gets a a pinch in his chest that doesn't want him to pray. And so we prayed through that and he was just telling me about his own walk with Jesus. And, and uh, at one point, he was, we we're talking about his anger and his rage when this happens again. And all the normal parenting, which I think are good advice was coming into my mind. It's like, hey, well, when this happens, you gotta leave the situation. I know some of the ADHD responses, so I'm like, you gotta breathe heavy. Those are all good. But here's what I said to him, I said, Hey, Gideon, you, you, there's no hope for this. You can't change. And he, I just said, you can't. You can't change. 
I can't give you any advice right now. And he looked at me and I was like, there's only one thing that can change your heart. And he's like, what is it? And I said, it's love. It's Jesus' love. And it's the light. So can, what, what if right now we told Jesus, I don't wanna have this anger anymore? And so what we did is we just started moving into the light. We invited the very real present moment Christ into that anger and he began to heal some of the anger. So he would pray out loud and we would just talk, Jesus, I cannot change this. Come in and shine your light. And then we would wait. We would ask Jesus to come specifically into that place for that, that bully that was bugging him in, in that day. And what he experienced in that little prayer walk was how real Jesus was to him, how much Jesus loved him, how little power he had, and he had all the power that Jesus had. And so when you ask God, come in with your light, because Jesus is the light and shine in a place where I cannot get help apart from your power, guess what's gonna happen? Power, you'll have hope, you'll have hope. I mean, this is what John got to bear witness to. This is what we get to bear witness to. He's the light. We bear witness to the world that we aren't the light. He is the light. He, he's, he alone takes into himself our darkness and gives us his life. What did, what did John do? What, what do we all get to do? He came to bear witness. Look at verse six again. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. To witness about Jesus is to tell the story of our experience of Jesus. To witness about Jesus is to show people both in how our friendship with him, both in what he's done for us on the cross, has changed us and how he keeps transforming us, how he forgives us. That's one of the things I told Gideon right away. He has forgiven you for all your anger. Do you know that? You're fully forgiven. Do you wanna receive that now, buddy? Yes. Do you know what a child who is full of rage, who's just yelled at and never told the father forgives you for that, you're already loved? Some of you have been there for too long. Just, you know, let the light in. We get to bear witness to what Jesus is encouraging you recently. Tell the story about it. Tell people, you know, go tell it on the mountain. We sing that at Christmas time. Over the hills. We have so many hills. When we bring to light who God is by telling people about his nature and his works and his his makeup and, and what he's like and how we're, we're dealing with, with Jesus in our parenting. Uh, we know what we're doing. We're laying the groundwork for worship in their lives. We're laying the groundwork. That's what John came to do. I'm laying the groundwork for the light. I'm just pointing to the light. We need the light. I can think of no better Christmas gift we can bring to the people around us than to testify about Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you sent the light. Jesus, you came to be a light, to be our light, to give us light. You're the light of the world. God, no, no one puts a, 
a basket over a lamp. We've been called to let our light shine before the world that they may see our love. They may see our good deeds. They may see and hear the difference that Jesus makes and they will glorify you. God, you love us so much that you sent your only son that whoever believes in you shall not perish but have eternal life. If there's anyone in here right now who's watching this and you're not a Christian, you just say out loud right now, Jesus, come into my life. Come bring your light. I wanna turn from my sin. I hate every part of it. Come save me for Jesus' sake. I wanna be with you forever. Jesus' name.